Hi, I'm Cassandra Siebels, the 2022-2023 president of the Junior League of Atlanta, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of JLA Inside Out, stories from inside and outside of the Junior League of Atlanta. Hi, I'm Colleen, and I'm excited to be joined today with a few people from Everybody Wins to hear a little bit about the JLA partnership with Everybody Wins and what they do. I'm Tiffany Tolbert. I am the executive director of Everybody Wins Atlanta, and I've been here for eight years. And we got to celebrate the 25th anniversary this year of reading the kids who are struggling to read to prove their reading skills. I'm Deanna Anderson, and I currently serve as the board chair for Everybody Wins Atlanta. I am also um, a proud past president of the Junior League of Atlanta and in my professional um, career have my own marketing consulting business, which works mostly with nonprofits and helping build brand awareness for them. Amazing. Well, so Tiffany, tell me what is Everybody Wins? Um, kind of what, what do they do in the city of Atlanta? It sounds like something with reading. Yes. Yes, it is. Have you ever thought about what happens to a kid who's struggling to read? Most of us are avid readers. We think about we read for fun. We read for work. But to a kid struggling to read, what are their outcomes? Our mission is to ensure that kids who are struggling to read do two things, improve their reading skills and develop a love of reading. It looks like this. Imagine your lunchtime on a weekday, stressed out that morning, you spend an hour and one day a week to go read what a child struggling to read. And that's where our magic happens. A caring volunteer from their corporate or community um, environment to a local school to be with a kid every single week in that partnership improve that kid's reading. You're reading, you're connecting, you're learning about their life, learning about your life. My reading is fundamental to your job and success in life. That's what we do, making sure kids are improving their reading skills by providing mentors and finding books for the kids to build their home libraries at their homes as well. What age bracket do you guys target at Everybody Wins? Is it a specific group kind of or age or demographic? We do. We do. We serve K through five. Mostly first and fifth grade. We started with kindergarten recently. Um, with literacy, what is important for our program is that we know that between the ages of zero and eight, you're learning how to read concepts, vocabulary, phonetics. And third grade and beyond is reading to learn, comprehension. If a kid does not learn how to read, to learn, and not learn to read words by the age of eight, they aren't reading well, comprehending beyond that age as well. So our goal is to make sure by the age of eight, they know how to read words, how to dissect words, vocabulary. So when they go beyond our program, they comprehend their reading in a higher level. How did everybody win start? I, I hear you're celebrating a big anniversary. Yes, yes, we are. 25 <laughs> years ago, it's 97. We started before in New York, where Arthur Tannenbaum, who's the original founder of the program in New York City, said this, that very question. He asked his wife, our kids read well. We talk kids at night, they're doing well. What happens to a kid who can't read well? And then began writing wins. And the Atlanta came in 1997 and supported by many law firms in the area. They decided, you know what? We care about our community. We want our kids to be educated and our kids at home may read well, but they want the best of kids in the community who are outside of their home, outside of their work environment. That's how it began. So I have one school in Atlanta. We now have the 12 schools doing Power Lunch and making sure the kids throughout Metro Atlanta, then your APS, you're in DeKalb, Gwinnett, Cobra, Fulton County Schools. We have schools throughout those areas that make sure the kids are working with our volunteers to improve their reading skills. What do you see in the Atlanta area when it comes to kids reading? They're excited. You would think that a kid struggling to read is embarrassed when they can't read well. If you go into a school right now, a kid struggling to read is in two spots in a classroom. They're in the front causing trouble or in the back hiding so they aren't being called on. 
when our volunteers come into the school, it's a caring adult that says, I am here for one reason, to help you read better. And they love that. And you think, oh, I don't read well, I'm embarrassed by that, but they are not. They love the mentors to come in, one-on-one attention, they feel special by it. And it's working because you realize our students, vocabulary is key to learn to read better. Every week, learning new words, defining words, using them again the next week. So our kids are learning. They're improving their reading skills, learning thousands of words across the whole program each year, getting more books at home. So we expanded family reading time as well. The kids are loving the program. So how many kids have you, has everybody when served in the city of Atlanta? In the past 25 years, over 8,000 students in the Power Lunch program have been served. We have a secondary program called Storytime. It's Storytime to the classroom to read a story to engage in interactive kind of performing arts for the students. Interactive, the kids are performing you know, speeches in it. They have costumes for the kids. And that program served about 20,000 kids over the entire 25 years because we serve classrooms in that program. So Parallax is our one-on-one program in the school at lunchtime. And Storytime is more of a classroom performance experience where kids will have a performing arts experience and they get a book to go home as well. And I would just add that, you know, this um, over the period of time, we've also started building those home libraries that Tiffany referenced earlier. So we are putting and helping with some of the schools with vending machines that are actually for books. And as a reward, students get to go to the vending machine and pick out a book of their own. And we have partnered with the Mayor Summer Reading Program. We partnered with other nonprofit partners over the summer when they were doing their back to school events to really have books there so that children have those books of their own, because that's such an important part of reinforcing what they experience at school is to be able to sit down with their family and read to their family and have their family read to them. So that's an additional part that we've added um, over the last couple of years. And over the last 25 years, what kind of an impact, you know, do you think this has had in the city of Atlanta and kind of what do you hope is the ongoing impact of Everybody Wins? So the influence that we've had are in many areas. One is with the schools feeling supported by an outside organization. We're going to support the curriculum that they have in the schools, providing mentors who care, volunteers who care. And the students also see a difference because a kid, we had one student I'll share with you. The teacher asked, was asked by her parent, what are you doing to my child on Tuesdays? Okay, what do you mean what I'm doing to your child on Tuesdays? Every time she decided to come to school on Tuesday, why she decided to come to school on Tuesdays? Guess what? Her reader came to school that day. Well-behaved on Tuesday, she knew that it was an exciting day for her. That's our impact on those. So true, we have an impact in scores of reading. Those scores are going up. We can it's a tangible measure. But for us also, it's the intangible of the student who was excited about a volunteer, excited to come to school. School behavior is improved as well. So our influence is in, we influence those areas as well. I think one of the impacts we've also had is on our um, volunteers. You know, we celebrate are celebrating our 25th anniversary. We have a reader who's been with us for 25 years. He's changed jobs multiple times, but he has continually been a reader with us. So I think that there's also the impact of these volunteers who take their time every week um, to spend with a child and helping improve their literacy. And I think it helps other people within the community understand the challenges that our schools face when it comes to literacy and how something as simple, you know, in the grand scheme of things is sitting down and reading with a child for one hour during your lunch 
can truly make an impact on the student like Tiffany, um, you know, mentioned who loved coming to school on Tuesdays because she got to be with her mentor. So I think it's on both sides, you know, it's the schools, but it's also our volunteers and the impact that they're making in the community and the awareness that we're bringing to them about the importance of literacy in our elementary school students. So Dana, you touched a little bit on some of the struggles that the schools are having with reading. You know, if you're new to this area, you're not familiar kind of or have a child in the elementary school system, you know, what are some of the struggles that are happening with reading? Why is this an issue? So I come from this from a very um, personal perspective. I have um, a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, and my oldest has dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia, and my youngest has dyslexia and ADHD. So for me, I've seen personally what happens when a child struggles to read. And depending on what you read, um, it's anywhere between 30 to 60% of our children in elementary school are not served by traditional education um, formats when it comes to reading. So that's, you know, a large group of children who don't necessarily grasp um, literacy the same in the way that the schools are teaching it. Um, and so when you think about those children and the impact that we can have, and when we know that the ability to read on grade level at third grade and the ability to do math competently at eighth grade are very large indicators on your success in life, this is something that we have to tackle. And as a community, we have to find ways to be creative and support our schools and give them the resources that they need to help those students who don't fall into a traditional learning mode, the resources and the tools. You know, my son, even at 16, talks about the tools he has in his toolbox. You know, he loves to listen to books. So looking at those creative ways, you know, during COVID, that's one of the things that we saw an increase in need for were headphones for our students because they were doing their reading over Zoom, but they couldn't hear because of life going on in their house, right? Um, and giving those headphones and making sure that children have access to tablets and being creative and really being a partner with the schools so that when they have a need within literacy that fits within our mission, Everybody Wins Atlanta is a resource to help them. And at the end of the day, that helps our city as a whole, you know, continue to tackle the literacy problem we're currently facing. Well, and you touch on a good point. I mean, the last few years have been a little bit tumultuous for all of us. Um, I guess, Tiffany, how have you seen Everybody Wins evolve over lockdowns and COVID and virtual schooling and everything else we all dealt with over the last few years? Right. And Colleen, if you can imagine our program before 2020 was completely in person. So at that point, 23 years, we're in the schools, in the, you know, face to face. And as many of us, you know, because we were all on lockdown, the school shut down, we shut down. And if we had to pivot, how do we serve a student that we know still has a need? The need didn't go away because they were at home. The need actually increased. And we went virtual for the first year. So imagine a 23-year agency who, thankfully, we were able to have the board invested in the community invested in supporting us to, once again, have Zoom because we, had, we weren't virtual. We were all in person. And to have that you know, community support saying, we want to still give books to the kids. People still donated books to us. So we gave out more books. For in the past, only those in our program got new books in, in, our, in, the, in, in the school year. When we were closed for 2020 and 2021 school year, every kid in the school got a brand new book from us. 
We partnered with schools when they gave away gave a gave away food. Give, sorry, we partnered with schools when they had food drives at the schools to give out books as well. We also um, incorporated more virtual author visits. So imagine your favorite author has a book. I am enough, and I believe not. I believe I can. Be able to zoom in with her and have her read the story to you while you're at home. We brought programs like that. So we took our regular program of reading one on one, made it virtual, and then also added components of more books we give away to schools and families, and any more author virtual visits as well. Is there stuff from the last kind of few years and kind of all the pivot of going from in person to fully virtual that you think you'll incorporate going forward into the next 25 years of Everybody Wins? Absolutely. So right now we're looking to work with the virtual academy with the Atlanta Public School System. These are already virtual beyond, um, before the pandemic and beyond, helping them still improve their reading skills as well. So looking at how programs are already are virtual to keep that virtual component for us. Volunteers want to do that. If you worked in Midtown before and were in person with a student, you may live in Sandy Springs. I can't really be virtual in Sandy Springs to come to Midtown to be with a student, but I can do it virtually instead. So also our volunteers benefit from being able to be more flexible with the students and serving them at home or being remote instead of being in the office that they were um, prior to. And then our book giveaway, that really leaped. We gave out 8,000 new books in 2020. Whoa. Then we did about 1,600 to 2,000 for Power Lunch. 8,000 books we gave out in that one year. New partners came on board. We did, we're currently doing literature libraries and the communities not to more books as well. And then we added classroom story time. So a volunteer can sit in their home or their office and read to a classroom virtually. So we're, we're having a good time and our board is always like, what are we doing next? And I'm full of ideas. But can we, what more can we do to serve a student in a capacity that says, we care about you, we care about your reading, think outside the box, stick with our mission, and corporate community wants to give back in a way they can give back in a meaningful way. Well, you teased a little bit. So where are you going next? What what else are you looking at doing? And how could somebody who, you know, is really impacted by your mission wants to get involved? What could they do? Many things. The first one I'll share is in February, we have a readathon where we're taking over five schools for two hours to read to the entire classroom. If you live in volunteer in February, go to our website, everywinsatlanta.org, and sign up to read with a school. The two-hour commitment, you read to four classes and share your love of reading and share our reading is important to you and what you do in your, in your career. That's one way. You can also be a Power Lunch mentor. Read with the student virtually or in person to improve his or her reading and connect with them to mentor them throughout the entire school year. You can be a classroom storyteller. I can You can zoom in from your home or office and read to a classroom, donate books. You can be um, a volunteer on our board. You want to be engaged in a small way or a large way. We always look for volunteers to come in to help us put our mission and have our kids become better readers. So where do you think everybody wins is heading in the future? Innovation. Uh, we normally, as I said, gave out books, um, and, and Deanna mentioned it briefly, in person. Here's a book or email books to you during the pandemic. Well, Dr. Heron, the APA superintendent, mentioned her desire for a book vending machines in the schools. And I got goosebumps when I heard that because to install a book vending machine into a school where a student can get a book at any time they're there. It's free for the student. They earn tokens because of reading challenges, good behavior, et cetera. And the kids are excited about that. So we've got our first ones being built right now. We're going to start our first book vending machine at Scorbin and Douglas Cluster on the west side of Atlanta. But we're doing that. More ways to digitally reach our students, but still realize that physical book is important. Um, so that's our way. Right now is innovation, making sure we're getting kids books in their hands faster and in a more meaningful way. And our diverse books as well. 
books about different cultures, different ideas, self-esteem. Books are where the kids can understand they're important, they're special, and they're valuable. One of those books are in those um, machines as well. Amazing. I would just add that I think that the other place, in addition to the innovation, and I think it comes along with that, is collaboration and looking at how we collaborate with um, the schools at the school district level and how do we collaborate with other nonprofits who are working in the literacy space and the mentorship space because it is a problem that will take all of us within the city um, to really tackle and looking at, you know, what are the pieces that we do best and what are the pieces that other organizations do best um, and are within their mission and how do we come together and collaborate as, you know, as a city and as nonprofits and as our school systems to ensure that every child is reading at grade level by the by grade three within Metro Atlanta. So back for the stats for a second, I'm gonna give you the stats on reading in Atlanta. For the median score for our third graders, two-thirds of those kids are reading below grade level. And of those students, two-thirds will end up in jail or on welfare. Because if a student can't read well, how will they fully graduate high school? How will they become gainfully employed? How will they provide for their families? It goes back to third grade reading scores. If a child's not on par for third grade, their trajectory for the majority of those students are, is not positive. It's going to be jail or welfare to provide for their families. Unfortunately, other ways to do it besides having to be gainfully employed. So the need is great. In our black and brown communities, it's almost 70% or more they're reading below grade level. Not because of uh, their color, because of their money. It's just because of reading better that they're struggling. Those are some crazy statistics. Can you say them one more time? Because mm-hmm. I'm struggling to wrap my mind around them even. <laughs> exactly. So for third graders in Metro Atlanta, two-thirds of those students are reading below grade level. And of those students reading below grade level, majority of those kids, meaning two-thirds of those students as well, will end up on jail or on welfare. So out of every 10 students, over six are reading below grade level. And of those six students, over four, four or more will end up on general welfare. So essentially, they can't read. Yeah, essentially, you're talking about four out of 10 kids in the Atlanta public school system, mm-hmm. which is a crazy yeah. high number. It is. It's very high. And that's why, to Dan's point, is about collaboration. Working with Chamber of Commerce, working with funders, working with community groups to realize as a community, we have to fix this issue. If we don't have students who are gainfully, who are educated, gainfully employed, who are we going to hire? Mm-hmm. I want to hire someone picking someone that's literate, that is capable, that can comprehend. And for a student, and as simple as this, um, sometimes Colleen, is the difference in being literate um, orally and reading it. They may understand the concept when you talk about it, where you go. That's a student right now. If I say in, in your in your building, which way is the restroom? You would tell me it's down the hall on your left, on the right-hand side. I say, Colleen, what's the restroom? Response would be, down the hall, make a left on the right-hand side. If I write it down and ask you, Colleen, what direction is the restroom? You get a blank stare sometimes. Do, do you mean north, south, east, west? What do you mean direction? But if I ask you the question, you get it. But in a written form, can you comprehend it in a written form? Mm-hmm. Many of our students can. So that they don't get the subject sometimes, they can't understand how to answer the questions. And then you go back to comprehension, understand the language, understand vocabulary. In our country, a stat came out probably 15 years ago. Students between the zero and four, I'm sorry, children between zero and four, who are in poverty, hear 40 million less words than a student in the affluent community. 
just here work by the age of four. They hear 40 million less words. And why is that? If I ask you, what do cars drive on? You can say a road. What else do they drive on? Interstate. In, exactly. Interstate, highway, byway, avenue, drive. Somebody's no one word. It could be 10 words for that one word. That's what that gap happens. So the family is just having kids talk more. Hey, words. Okay, we want to go outside. What's outside? Oh, dirt, trees, plant. Having vocabulary for those kids. That's how it starts. Because if I heard this, that, that because you're poor, you hear less words, why is that? I don't have an answer for it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't solve that problem right now. <laughs> I know that that's where it starts. Zero to four vocabulary words. When they get beyond as concepts, identifying shapes, color, things like that, expanding vocabulary, that's the foundation of reading. I can say the word, now I want to see, identify what am I saying? And can I see, understand, and spell what I'm saying? Fill that gap there. When it's written in a question, do I understand what you're asking me? Can I answer the question in a complete sentence? I saw part of literacy and part of comprehending what you're reading. Yeah, so if somebody's listening who is flabbergasted as I was by that statistic, and wants to do something today, but isn't sure how to get involved, you know, could you maybe give your website and like, here's one suggestion that you could change in your everyday world that might help this issue. Absolutely. So our website is everybodywinsatlanta.org. That's everybodywinsatlanta. All the, the whole long word. All everybodywinsatlanta.org. All of it. .org. I mean, a couple ways. If you are an executive and want to give back in a strong way, join our board. Many people who will care about our mission help drive our strategy year over year. Um, if you're home and say, I don't know what to do, what can I do? Make sure every child you encounter has a book every single year. One every month, but every time you give a gift to a child, give a book. So our program, we have an Amazon wish list, give books to us. Of course, we care for donations. Of course, we want you to give a gift. But beyond the dollar, it's for a purpose. Put books in the hands of students to get them mentors, have them read better as well. So if you're at home now saying, what can I do to help? Become a volunteer, be a volunteer to a student, or join our board. Um, go to our website, go to our Amazon wishes, buy a book as well to give to a student. We'll make sure that even beyond before you help us, every kid in your sphere exposed to books and reading as well. So, Dana, is there anything that you would say, you know, for anybody listening? Here's the one thing that I want you to remember. The one thing I want you to take away from this conversation, because we, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground in a lot of different areas in terms of what the statistics are in Atlanta, kind of what Everybody Wins does, as well as the importance of reading at such an early age in the long-term trajectory of a person's life. Is there maybe one thing that you could say, this is what I would want you to remember. This is what I want you to leave this conversation holding on to. Yes. So I would want everyone to remember that literacy and the ability for our children to read is an important part of all of our roles as being good citizens in the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia. And that there are little and big things that we can do to make a difference. Like Tiffany said, it starts with making sure that every child that you encounter has those books at home. And then it's looking at where are the ways that you can plug in, whether it's through Everybody Wins Atlanta and being a Power Lunch volunteer or volunteering at your child's school or your local school, which is such an important part of this mix as well as we look at tackling this literacy issue. Um, but that it is all of our jobs, whether we have children or not 
to be a part of the solution and find those ways that we can connect and that we can give back so that 15 years from now, that stat that Tiffany gave is been blown to smithereens. And in Atlanta, we're no longer looking at you know, four in 10 children who don't read on third grade level, either being on welfare or in jail. And that, you know, we have this rich base of children um, and adults or adults at that point to come into our workforce. And that, you know, it, we all see the benefit um, that having a literate community in Atlanta, um, the importance of that and the difference we can each make in helping tackle the issue. Well, Tiffany, what about you? Is there kind of one thing that you would want to kind of go off of what Deanna is saying in terms of this is what the one thing I'd want you to remember, the one thing I want you to do next? So to remember, I'll give you our tagline. And it's one mentor, one book, one child at a time. The issues we're facing is huge. A lot of our kids are not reading well and are not reading at a great level. But the fact that we make it smaller and that one person is the difference in one child's life they're making a difference. And that whether you pick everybody wins Atlanta, your local school, um, you know, your wherever your your output is, wherever you're gonna put plant your feet to give back, that you realize that whatever you do to improve a child's reading skill is going to matter. That one child for you can make a difference in life forever. They're not part of the kids who are gonna end up having an alternative way to earn money when they're older. You're making sure that you're investing in one child, one school right now. To make sure a child improves their reading. And once you come be with us, of course, we want volunteers for our organization, but our issues are the bigger issues that we can have every child in the community. Every child needs help. Pick a student, pick a school, and give back to it to make sure, make sure a kid near you is reading better and reading at a great level. Well, Tiffany, Dina, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been so fa- interesting and, and fascinating to hear so much about what Everybody's Wins is doing in the Atlanta area. Um, but Tiffany, one more time, if you wouldn't mind giving maybe your website and any social media handles yeah. or anything, if anybody wants to follow you and kind of Absolutely. learn more and get involved. <laughs> yes. So our website is everybodywinsatlanta.org. Our IG is everybodywinsga, as well as our Facebook is everybodywinsatlanta as well. So follow us on Facebook, everybodywinsatlanta, website, everybodywinsatlanta.org, and our Twitter and um, IG are the same names as well. Check us out. We're constantly, we need books all the time. We need volunteers. February signs are happening now for our readathon next month. Come on, be with us and make sure the kid sees your face and loves, you know, interacting with you to have their their reading as well. Well, thank you again. Um, This was a fascinating conversation and good luck with the readathon in February. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of JLA Inside Out. If you have feedback, thoughts, or questions, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at insideout at jlatlanta.org.